Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Amen. Praise the living God. Well, this morning, do not be alarmed by the picture on the screen. It's going to make sense in a very small moment. But this title is Pick It Up For Yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, pick it up for yourself. I can't pick it up for you. You're the one that has to pick it up. Amen? You'll understand in a moment. And this may not seem like it's going to make sense at first why this scripture, but I believe God has given this word to encourage this house. We're going to be reading from 2 Kings this morning, chapter 6. Verses 1 through 7, starting at verse number 1. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. (laughs) Some of y'all caught that one. Just in case you missed it, see now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please, let us go to the Jordan and let every man, turn your neighbor and say every man, take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. And then one said, thank God for the one. There's always a one. Hallelujah. Please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they had come to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree... The iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, Where did it fall? Turn to your neighbor and say, Where did it fall? I don't want you to miss this today. Where did it fall? And he showed him the place. That means he knew where it fell. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Hallelujah. Therefore, he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand, and he took it. Glory to God. You may take your seats this morning. I could already hear some of you in your brain saying, where is he going? Where in tarnation 
if that's such a word. I got that from Bugs Bunny. Where in tarnation is he going with this one? Praise God. Well, buckle your seatbelts, and I'll tell you where we're going. Amen? Number one, let's talk a little bit about Elisha. Elisha is visiting the school of the prophets. This was a school that was growing. Hallelujah. How many know when you start to grow, there are growing pains. People are sitting in each other's lap, and they can't even, you know, can't even breathe. It feels like we're getting crowded in. And the number of students had outgrown the size of the building, much like we have here in this place. And some of them were willing workers that wanted to go out into the forest and gather up wood so they can go and build a house for them to dwell in. Talk, talk about expansion. Hallelujah. It's going to take work. Praise God. It doesn't just come through osmosis. You know, we have to put our hands to the plow. We have to put our hands to the axe. And then what happens is this event starts to unfold and one of the students who happened to have borrowed an axe head from a friend or from someone he borrowed this tool and now as he's chopping down the tree the axe handle comes off and it falls into a swamp and Elijah's question to him where did it fall I need to make sure you understand this this question can be asked of the entire human race. Even in the church, where did it fall? Do you know that right now the entire world is in trouble? And we patch up one spot and another spot appears. We try to fix one problem and another problem appears. And then the world wants us to assimilate ourselves and conform to the society standard. We have Pride Month this month. I bind Pride Month to the pit of hell from where it came from. We should have Straight Month. Straight is great. Appreciate. Hallelujah. Imagine the church goes out with signs and have a sign. Straight is great. Family, appreciate. Straight is great. I can make babies. Hallelujah. Straight is great. That's how God originate. Straight is great. Right? Imagine that. We'd be on CNN, hate church, there's hate church in Middletown, hate mongers, bigoted, they're hate-filled people. No, we're not. You want us to assimilate to your evil, but you don't want to accept the standard of holiness. Someone say, get it together, hallelujah. You see, we have a problem in this world. This problem happened way back in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, there's a disobedience problem in our life. There's a disobedience, a sin problem in this world. Even our very first parents sinned against God. And because of that disobedience, we now live in a fallen world. How about this? We live in an abnormal world. Sin is abnormality. Sin is not the way it was supposed to be. When the world was created, it was created perfect, sinless, 
beautiful. It was paradise on earth. And sin separated us from paradise. Sin separated us from walking with God in the cool of every day. And as a result, the curse of sin fell on the land. And even all of the descendants of man are now born in sin. We have greed, we have crime, we have violence. And I just talked about pride and they named this month Pride Month. You know, I, I just realized now, uh, uh, not to pick on, on this community, but it seems like they're running out of letters. Now they got a plus at the end of their initials. It's LGBTIP and QRS, elemental P, and a plus, just in case we forgot something. Because it's always changing. It's always going further because there is no end to the lunacy. They're trying to fill a void. They're trying to fill a hole that can only be filled by the Father. It can only be filled by the Holy Spirit. That's why they have a plus there. Redemption is the only remedy for mankind. The cross of Christ provides that redemption. Thank you for the cross, oh God. The world right now needs a revival. Hallelujah. The saints of God need to rise up, need to come together. Hallelujah. And tell the world about the love of Jesus Christ. The world needs to be spiritually awakened. The entire world needs to be found. Hallelujah. Where have you fallen? Now, Elisha was Elijah's right-hand man. Elijah was formerly the student, and now here in 2 Kings, he is now the teacher. But I want to ask a question, because this question applies to us all. We can learn some lessons from Elijah and Elisha. Here's the, the question. With all the information you have learned, with all of your Christian maturity, with all of the discipleship, with all of the gifts that God has planted in you, hallelujah, turn to your neighbor and say, he's definitely talking about you. I know it's coming. I'm talking about everybody here. With all that you have been given by God, who are you pouring into? Do you have any students are you discipling anyone? Are you pouring into the next generation? Are you sowing seed, hallelujah, of, of ministry into somebody else? Or are you a consumer? A sitter? Just call me a sitting saint, pastor. What's your ministry? I'm a sitter. Oh, you babysit? No, I just sit. Where, where do you sit? I sit in a church on Sunday. My, my, my seat has my butt print in it. That's my legacy, a butt print on a chair. Hallelujah. I know I'm not getting no amens out of that one. That one hurts. Hallelujah. Praise God. But the Bible says the truth will make you free. You think Jesus died so you could sit down on Sunday? No way. There's more to it. Hallelujah. Who is your student? Who are you pouring into? Who are you mentoring? Who are you discipling? Jesus never said, go and make converts. He said, go and make disciples. Not just students. Did you know that Jesus spent 
How many years? He spent three years with 12 men, and one among them was a devil. And after the three years, he said, it is good that I go. For where I go, there you too may also be. I go to prepare a place for you so that you can be with me. And he says, and I will come again and will receive you to myself. Do you know why he had to go? Because if not, those 12 men would have been codependent. Codependent Christians waiting for their check to come at the beginning of the month. Codependent. Not getting a job, not doing anything, staying home, playing Xbox and eating Cheerios and Wheaties and waiting for the check to come in. Oh, don't worry. Pastor will do it. Let him do it. That's his job. We pay him. Let him do it. He gets paid to do that. I wish y'all knew. Three years. And he gave them a sense of, of discipleship, of belonging, of community. And then he sent them forth. He didn't send them ill-equipped. He sent them forth to go and preach. Here's the thing. When they failed, Jesus never quit on them. When the disciples said, hey, Lord, we casted out some demons, but other demons didn't want to come out. I quit you. Hold on, my Facebook. Delete, I block you. Did Jesus do that? No. He said, oh, no, you know why these didn't come out? Because these are another level, a hierarchy of demons. They're the next level. You don't know much about them. You know about the baby devils. But these are some grown-up devils. They've been around for a long time. These are some wicked monsters, evil. But guess what? You have authority over them. But it's going to cost you a little more. You know how these come out? You got to pray and fast. You got to pray and fast, and then you cast them out and they go. You see, you don't give up on somebody because they dropped the ball. Jesus never gave up on us. So you keep on, you keep on teaching and training and helping them until three years later, they should be fruitful. The tree, there should be fruit on the tree. Jesus said in Luke 6, a tree is known by its fruit. And if there ain't no fruit, deuces, it is expedient for you that I gots to go. I can't be hanging around this foolishness no more. Because you have proven you ain't into this. You have proven you don't want to grow. You want to just hang on my coattails. You want to sap the life force out of me. You want me, every time something happens, Benji, can you pray for me? Benji, can you pray for me? When are you going to put a hand on your own head and pray for yourself? When are you going to open up this word that gives life and freedom and liberty, who sets the captive free? When are you going to put some spiritual bullets in your own gun? Oh, that's right. It's easier to let you do it for me. Somebody say, pick it up for yourself. Hallelujah. Pick it up for yourself and stop being codependent on people. Hallelujah. Converts are introduced. Disciples reproduce. That's free. You don't have to pay for that one. That one's free. 
If you are not taking time to disciple someone, you are an uninvolved believer. You are a sitting saint, not worth your own salt. Boom. If you threw a tomato at me right now, I'd pick it up and throw it right back at you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, I love you. Praise God. But you know what? You got to hear the truth. Elisha was faithful, loyal. He was serving. He was God-fearing. Elisha saw Elijah taken up to heaven and received the double portion of the anointing. Elisha began to do miracles immediately after seeing Elijah taken into heaven. This is important because you have to understand this. When Elijah knew that his time was coming, he asked his servant, he said, listen, I'm not going to be around too much longer because I know the Lord has already showed me some stuff. And he says, ask of me anything and I will give it to you. And you know what Elijah said? Dude, I want double of what you have. I've been rolling with you. I've been watching you, teacher. And I want twice of what you have. And Elijah said, my brother, you're asking a little much, don't you think? You don't know the cost. You don't know what I've been through to have that. Hallelujah. You, I don't know if you counted the cost. He goes, but you know what? You asked for a righteous thing. You asked for a good thing. So I'll tell you what. If you are with me when I'm taken into heaven, then you will have the double portion. If you take my cloak, you will have the double portion. And so what ends up happening is now everywhere Elijah's going, he's, he's right there. This is Elisha, the sword. He's like this. Elijah goes this way. He's like, <laughs> anywhere he goes, Elijah, he's following him left and right. You know why? Because he said, if I'm with him when the Lord takes him away, if I'm there, then I'm going to receive the double portion anointing. What that means is he was serious about the, the, the call. He was serious about what he said. And he made sure that he was around. And all of a sudden, they're now by the Jordan. They're by this river. And now there's a, a chariot of fire that comes from heaven. And he's saying, oh boy, this is, the, this is the time. This is the place. Hallelujah. And Elijah goes and he jumps on this fiery uh, a chariot and he's not getting burned. And he's still alive. And he sees Elijah. He says, dude. And he picks up the cloak. But it doesn't stop there. And I'm, I'm going a little further than I wanted to. But here I'm going. He said, let's test it out. He took that and the same thing he saw his teacher do. He went. Bam! And he hit the water in the Jordan, and the Jordan went shh. And he walked across on dry land. And the student said, The anointing that was on Elijah is now upon Elisha. You understand? It was evident. Why do I say that? You know why? Because sometimes we, we tell people when we introduce ourselves, Oh, I'm prophet, uh, deacon, prophet of the most high God with the favor of the most high and I'm the, the man just what's your name dude stop giving me titles you know titles are not important I am deacon 
elder, bishop, and the prophetess of the most high holy church of the, the Nazarene, Joe. Come on, Joe, get it together, man. Let your gift make room for you. When you open your mouth, people will say, that's a prophet of God. When you speak the word, when you go, and they go, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. You don't have to say, I'm a minstrel of the holy God of the, of the, the cross. Man, just play. Just do it and do it skillfully. Praise God. Your gift will make room for you. Elisha, you know, when you start doing miracles and when signs and wonders start happening, guess what? People start to flock. The Bible says signs and wonders follow them to believe. So people start to follow and they say, man, I got to be around this. This is powerful. I'm not getting it at this place. I'm not getting it at that place. But there's something. When I'm around this dude, when I'm around this environment, I feel the presence I feel the presence of the Lord in the room, in the room. So we lift our hands, lift our hands. You know, and you go to other places and you like. His gifts were immediately recognized. People came from anywhere, from everywhere, and they said, let us make a place where we may dwell with him. Every man, let's take up a beam. And they asked Elijah, please, would you come with us? We want you to come. Do you know that Elijah was the only one who knew where the place was where Elijah was taken up into heaven? So if they would have went on their own and they're trying to build a memorial, build a church on the site where Elijah was taken up into glory, nobody would have known. So they said, Elisha, please, you come. And here's another thing. We want you to come so that you could prevent strife and quarreling from among us so there won't be no issues. And you won't have to give us no tissues. Here's some interesting observations, okay? The expansion project was something that they would all have to do together. They didn't leave it up to Elisha to figure it out. Pastor, this is your problem. God called you to do this. This is your problem. The building that we're looking for, this is your problem. You figure it out. They didn't do that. They said, we want a new building. Elijah, take us to the spot so that we can build it and we can do as God called. But there are others that will say things like this. We want a new building, but we ain't going to tithe. We want a new building, but we don't want to serve anyone. We want a new home. But we only want certain people who qualify to enter. We want a new church. But pastor, you go find it. We'll move when it's ready. We want a new home. But you don't want to pray and ask God to give us a new home. You'll let others. Everybody in church, every church has a brother named somebody else. Brother somebody else will pray. Let him do it. <laughs> 
People of God, the pastor's been given a vision from the Lord. Pastors in every church, they're, they're the, 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 the spout, the fountain. Then the Lord just starts speaking to them. And they want to share the vision, but they can't accomplish it on their own. And sometimes that is the expectation. And I get it because people think the pastors can do everything, but they don't know that we're people. I need the blood of Jesus just like you. I'm probably more imperfect than all of y'all. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. Yeah, I'm a sheep. <laughs> Needing a shepherd. You see, there's an ideal in everybody's mind, but then they're stuck with the real. And the real means it's going to take work. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take fasting. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take the ability for our ears to be opened and to hear the word of the Lord. For our eyes to be opened to see what, what the Lord is showing us. We're all in this together. I need your help. I can't do it by myself. The students said, we are going to come up with a solution. Wonderful. Praise God. Ownership. Come up with a solution. Don't just point out problems. No one was worried about titles or status. Everybody was involved. Not everybody were chiefs. They were all Indians, as they say. And they said, we're going to do this in harmony. We're going to work in harmony and peace with each other of one accord. How wonderful is that when the people of God come together as one? Let us work together. Do you know that when we come together as one, nothing shall be impossible for those that believe. Amen. All right. One, two, three. There we go. Praise God. We had to get that out. Amen. Are we better, honey? Can we move on? Hallelujah. Praise God. Getting ready for the women's conference up in here. Praise God. So let me tell you something, because this is really important. When I read this at first, I said to myself, okay, the axe head, this is a cool story, okay, cool miracle, but there's got to be more. What are you saying to us, Lord? There's got to be more. Do you know that when you read God's word, you read it one way in the logos? That means the written word, the logos. But then when you start to dwell on the word, when you start to meditate on the word, and when the spirit of God brings the word to life, that's meaning rhema. You get a rhema word, a living word, a, a on-time word, and the spirit gives life, right? I asked the Lord, what are you trying to say? And the Lord gave me four points about this little story and this axe head. So I want you to pay attention. And, and you know, it's funny. I went through commentaries. I went through all different types of books. And there's not much written about this particular story, which means everybody just reads it, say, cool, miracle, moving on. But there's more. Number one, the axe head. The axe was borrowed. I want you to, to hear that. The axe was borrowed. The worker didn't own it. He was just a steward of the axe. The axe was far too costly for the student to own himself. Guess what? Everybody in this room is a borrower, a debtor, a steward of everything that God has given you. Did you know your wife? You are a steward of your wife. 
Husbands, you are a steward of your husbands for the ladies in the house. Our kids, we are stewards of our kid. We are stewards of our home, our job, our cars, your properties, your clothes, your finances, your gifts, your talents, your very body. All of it came from the Lord, and you are simply a steward of it. Stewardship is important. Glory to God. Luke 1917, Jesus' words, it says, Well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in very little, you will have authority over ten cities. Glory to God. If you are faithful in the little, then you can be trusted with the much. Some of us, we get a little bonus money and we go cray-cray. We're ready to go and buy clothing and stuff that we don't even need. I remember my son, Alec. God, God knows he's a mature man now. But when he was a young kid, if I gave him $20, he would never save it. He had to run. He would walk, even sweat, and run to the store and get ice cream or soda. Or He'd blow the whole $20 in one shot. And AJ would always be like, dude, you're stupid. And AJ would save his money. And then another couple of dollars later, boom, he'd run to the store, get a soda, get whatever. And then AJ would be saving his money. And then it was time to go to the movies and to get popcorn and everything. And he's like, oh, dad, uh, can, can you hook me up? Can you? AJ's like, yo, really, bro? You didn't save your money or we're going whatever, roller skating, whatever, some activity. And he was always broke. And AJ was there getting souvenirs, getting all his stuff and enjoying himself. And Alec would watch him. Because he had spent everything. You see, we have to be good stewards of what we receive. Sometimes God gives us stuff and we just want to go and, and blow it and spend it and use it and, and go and run. And then when the time comes that we need it, we have nothing. But here's the thing. You are simply a steward. None of it you can take with you anyway. Amen? Praise God. Look at this. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Luke 12, 20. It says, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose Will those things be which you have provided? I'll give you an answer to that question. In Ecclesiastes 2.19, these are the words of Solomon at the end of his days. He said, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun, and this also is vanity. Why are we talking about this? Because everything that you are working for right now, some of you guys are working so hard to make a name for yourself, to bring up treasures, to store up treasures. And let me just say this. You might be spending so much time away from your family, away from your children, away from your wife and husband, just to make money, money, money so you could buy the big house. And then when you get the big house, you want a bigger house. And then when you get the car, you want a fancier car. And then when you get the car, now you want a motorcycle. Then you want a boat. And it just never stops. And you're working and working and working to build up an empire that you can't take with you. 
And Solomon said, this is vanity. You work all the years of your life under the hot sun, and you give your possessions to a fool. Someone to take everything you worked for and squander it because they don't know the cost, the value, the work ethic, and everything else. One day, we're going to have to give an account of all that we have done here on earth, all that God has given us. The gifts of God are given to edify one another, to build up his kingdom spiritually, not your kingdom. Who cares how successful you are? If we don't use it, we become selfish, unappreciative, ungrateful, unfaithful, and poor stewards of the gifts of God. And even still, God's not going to take your gift back because God's not a, uh, uh, like the, the expression Indian giver. Ooh. All right? This is not Washington Redskins or now the Washington football team. You can't say Redskins anymore because it's racist. Everything is racist now, so they could get you to say what they want you to say. Hallelujah. You could see how I'm, I'm, I have a, a thing with all the craziness out there. Praise God. Your tools, your gifts, if it's not kept sharp, if it's not protected, if it's not used the right way, will eventually fall off the handle, and it might fall into the muddy rivers of the, of the Jordan River, and then you will lose your axe head. Let me tell you something. The only way to build anything of value for God is for God himself to lend you an axe. An axe with a double edge on it, like the double-edged sword. The Word of God is a double-edged sword. Glory to God. And with it, you can build. You could build your marriage. You could build your home. Yes, you could build a godly business where you do things with honor and integrity and, and truth and justice. You could build your church, the families, the schools, the government, the community. You could get people to see things the right way. You could build up friendships, build up ministries. You can do it all with the word of God. And you could even fight off the enemy with the word of God. Jesus did it in the wilderness. He said, it is written. Praise God. Now let me tell you another point about it being borrowed. If something is borrowed, then naturally that means it has to be returned. What are we going to return to the Lord? Will he be pleased with what we have done here on earth? Or will we be like Achan, this unfaithful servant who buried stolen treasures under his tent and caused the entire nation to be defeated because of his one sin? The second point I want you to think of is when the student said, I've lost my axe. Let me tell you this. A sharp axe cuts. A dull axe bounces. Spiritual warfare. Are we sharp enough to cut? Or is our blade so dull that our words do not pierce, do not cut, do not offend, do not hurt, do not even make you get goosebumps? Nothing. Is your axe so dull that when you try to talk somebody about the Lord, go boink, but bounce right off? Bulletproof vest. Bing. Bing. And you're trying to tell somebody about the love of Jesus. Bing. Bing. No cutting power. I've lost my axe. Why did you lose it? Might have been because it was a dull handle. And you're trying to chop down a tree, but you didn't think about sharpening the blade. 
Is the word your source? Think about it. It's so important. Luke 24, 32. These are the, the, the disciples that saw Jesus on the road to uh, Emmaus. And they said, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us? When you hear God's word, is it like a fire or a burning passion inside of you? Does it cause you to go deeper and deeper? Does it cause you to memorize his word? Does it cause you to start taking notes and journal to learn and to understand? Does it cause you to share God's word with the brethren? Does it ignite a passion, a fire, or do you try to hide it? If you are truly a child of God, even if you try to hide it, you'll be like Jeremiah when he got mad at God. He said, you know what? I'm not going to make mention of his name. I'm not going to speak any more of his name. But he said, his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back. And I could not. That means even when you don't want to talk about God. Listen, I put a thing on my Facebook. It says, be careful because I could talk about Jesus at any moment. If you're going to roll with me, if you're my friend, guess what? At any moment, I'm going to talk about the Father. And you might have to do this. But too bad. That's my life. Hallelujah. I love the Lord. I'm not ashamed of God. Hallelujah. I want the whole world to know the love of God. Is God's word like a fire? Is God's word like a hammer that breaks the rocks that you can't contain it? Or is your only source of the word that you ingest, that means that you eat, is what comes from the pastor's table on Sunday morning? If so, my dear brother, my dear sister, you may have a dull axe. If your axe is not sharp, it may fly off the handle when the pressure of life comes. And let me just say this, an axe never becomes dull overnight. It dulls over a period of time. And in the time, guess what? Life happens. Highs and lows, ups and downs. And over time, because of our lack of use of the axe, the blade starts to get dull. The Bible says in Colossians 4, 6, let your conversations be seasoned with salt. Because sometimes if we are excessive, we can also hurt. And that's, that's sometimes we may be too salty. Hallelujah. One thing I know for certain, the sword and the axe are weapons of death. When you take out the sword, we read earlier, when the enemy unsheaths the sword, it's not to butter your toast. The sword, when it's taken out, something has to die. You don't take out a weapon unless you're going to kill something. That means you kill some demons. Hallelujah. Or how about this? You crucify your own flesh. Not each other. It means you don't pass blame. Hallelujah. The third part, when the axe head fell off, no blame was passed. That means this young student didn't say, uh, uh, I lent my axe to this brother, and he's the one that dropped it, so let him pay for the axe. There was no blame. He said, 
I did it. Like David in Psalm chapter 51. I did this. I alone have caused this great sin against you. I alone failed. That means he was accountable. Accountability. What a wonderful world it would be if everybody was accountable. He knew. I'm, I'm a little stressed out right now because I know I have to repay. I don't have the money. This was an expensive ax. But it's an accident. Sometimes that happens. Elijah didn't say, bro, that's on you. That's your problem. What he did is he said, let me help you. Let me be part of the solution. Elijah knew that he wasn't bound by natural circumstances because he knew as a child of God, nothing is impossible. And he knew that everything is spiritual. There was no questioning of self. Why aren't things going right? Why aren't things going right for me? You know, we start second-guessing when bad things happen. We start second-guessing ourselves. Why is this happening to me? What have I done to cause this? Maybe I shouldn't have volunteered for this job. Maybe I should find another school because this one, all I'm getting is problems. Maybe I should find another teacher. Maybe I should find another pastor. Maybe I should go somewhere else. I'm not used to this type of work. I don't have the right tools for this job. You see, many of us don't want the tough road. We want the simple path. We don't want the easy path because we know if we get on the path that leads to righteousness, it's going to require too much. But praise God for the man of God. He asked a question, where did it fall? And then he says, take me to it. Sometimes, saints of God, we need to go back to the basics. Sometimes we need to return back to God. We may have started our Christian life right, but somehow we have fallen in the swamp. Maybe other things also have fallen in the swamp. Maybe the joy of your salvation has fallen in the swamp. Maybe your desire to serve has fallen in the swamp. Maybe your first love for Jesus Christ has fallen in the swamp. Maybe your longing to do his will has fallen in the swamp. How about this? Maybe your hunger for the word of God has fallen in the swamp. Maybe your desire to be connected to the body, to be part of the fellowship of the brethren, maybe that has fallen in the swamp. What has caused this sudden fall? And how can you get back what you lost? Well, the first thing is sometimes you got to face where you have fallen. Are we going to those in the muddy waters? How about those that have fallen that we know of? Are we going back to the muddy waters to help them out? Are we revisiting the place where we lost our own acts to surrender it to the Lord? Sometimes you've got to analyze, where have I fallen? Where have I drifted? What have I allowed in my life? What thing, what person, what toxic friendship, what what? thing am I putting in my body? What am I fighting for? What has caused me to drift away so much where I have lost my axe? If we don't look at where we have fallen, we might repeat it again. Sometimes you've got to analyze and you've got to count the cost and you've got to consider how far you have fallen. I will say this, that the axe, the iron axe head, it did swim. 
and it did rise to the surface. Here we see a bona fide miracle. Hope. Hallelujah. The job can now continue again. And this is where it gets so powerful. I don't want you to miss this. Elijah, the Bible says, when they took him there, he cut a wooden stick and he threw it in the water where the axe had fallen. Have you seen that? I want you to get this. Understand that that stick that Elijah cut was not a miracle stick. It was not a miracle handkerchief that you put it on your car and your car is going to start. Or you put the miracle handkerchief on your head and that headache is going to go away. It wasn't that at all. Because sometimes we try to make religious relics out of something that God wants to use to display his power and his glory. What did this wooden stick represent, Pastor? It represented the cross of Christ. That's what it represented. Do you know that all dead things, all things as hard as iron, have to rise from the muddy waters through the cross of Christ? No matter how dirty, no matter how grimy, no matter how muddy the waters have become, by the grace of God through the cross of Christ, you shall rise again. Hallelujah. Go to the cross. Surrender your life to the cross. Repent and come alive. I can't save you. The church can't save you. Hallelujah. Grandma's prayers can't save you. Junebug and Papo, they can't save you. Oprah Winfrey can't save you. President Biden surely can't save you. Hallelujah. But you have to go to the cross. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only the Son of God that can wash away your sin. And the Bible says that the axe head, while it was low in the dirtiest part of the swamp, it floated right up on top next to the wooden stick. And then these wonderful words were spoken. Pick it up for yourself. What is Elijah saying? He's saying, saints of God, you can't go to heaven on my ticket. I can't go to heaven on your ticket. You can't go to heaven by being a member of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church. You can't go to heaven because grandma has been praying for you. You can't go to heaven because you're a good person. You'll never be good enough. You can't go to heaven because God is love. And he just knows me. And he's okay with my lifestyle. And even if I sin and sin and sin and sin and snake sin, he's still going to forgive me because he loves me. God is love. That's him. That's his nature. But we also forget the word where it says he's also a consuming fire. Hallelujah. And in Matthew 7, 21, he said, Many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not casted out devils? Have we not healed the sick? And he's going to say, Depart from me. I never knew you. 
you worker of iniquity, you lawless one. Get out of from if my faith is. That's the King James Version. You want me to prove it to you? Isaiah 59, 2. Listen to this. But your iniquity, what is iniquity? Sin. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your, just in case you missed it, your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. That's why when people go on Facebook and say, I'm praying for you, girl. And you put on your silly little praying emojis. Listen, do me a favor. Keep your prayer. Because you know you ain't praying anyway. You're going to keep scrolling. Send. And then you go like this. Keep scrolling. You're not even praying in the first place. But even if you did pray, if your heart is hardened, if you are a child of disobedience, if you are a lawless one, if you are a rebellious one, a worker of witchcraft and sorcery, if you have ill intent in your heart towards people, how about this? If you have unforgiveness in your heart and then you're going to throw up some praying hands and think that those prayers are getting through the ceiling... God is going, hum, I'm not listening, hum. It's until you say, oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. What? What? That's when he starts to hear. He hearkens his ear to the prayers of his people. He will not despise a contrite heart. He will not despise. He will not cast away anyone that calls on the name of Jesus Christ. But he sees through the phony, baloney, guacamole. He sees through it. You can't get to heaven with all of your money. With all of your success bucks, keep it. Spend it. You can't go to heaven with your great name. You know why? Because only his name is great. Mm. You can't get to heaven with your brilliance, with your wit, with your cha- or talent, or with your charm. I'm going to say this too. You can't even go to heaven because you memorized some Bible verses. Because you have some church lingo up in you, up in you somewhere. And you know how to quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. You can't go to heaven because you never missed a Sunday school service. Some people think that going to church makes them go to heaven. You could only get to heaven through Jesus Christ. Again, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through me. The iron head, it floated to the surface. What does that mean, pastor? What does it mean when the axe that was in the swamp, what does it mean when it came up and it stayed floating on top of the water? That means God is a God of the second chance. Hallelujah. Second chance, third chance, fourth chance, fifth chance. He will not stop. God will keep waiting for you to get it right. Hallelujah. 
God is a God of chances. It doesn't matter how far, how deep, or how far you've been away from him. What matters is, are you going to get up again? Though you may have fallen in the swamp, God will rise you up. He will bring beauty from ashes. He will take you right out of the mud and place your feet on solid ground. The question is, you have to be the one to pick up the axe and get back to work. You can come to him, but you have to receive him as Lord and Savior. You have to place your trust in him and then spend the rest of your earthly life serving, loving, walking with him with a sharp axe to build his kingdom and not yours. Sharpen your axe daily. That means be useful. Work with the proper tools. Proverbs 27, 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another man. Let me tell you why this is important. Because yes, iron sharpens iron. But it cannot sharpen unless there's contact. The sword, the blade has to touch the iron. And then now you're sharpening one another. That's why you can't be a disciple at home on stream TV. You got to come with the body. Amen? The gravitational pull of God is far greater than the gravitational pull of the world. God will make your fallen axe rise again. And remember, it is God who does the miracle. It is God who resurrects the soul. Listen to this, Isaiah 10, 15. I found this. I was blown away. It's so perfect for today. Shall the axe boast against itself or yeah, boast itself against him who chops with it? Or shall the saw exalt itself against him who saws with it? As if a rod could wield itself against those who lift it up or as if a staff could lift up as if it were not wood. Listen, as a child of God, as a son and daughter of God, do not boast about yourself or the gifts and the talents and all that God has given you. Do not boast about your Alberto V05 do. Do not boast about your smile. Do not boast about your car. Do not boast about any of those things. Amen. If you're going to boast, boast in Christ. Boast that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and give God glory. Hallelujah. Be joyful that you are a child of the Most High God. And then with every day, with every breath that has been counted, every single breath is given by God, then with it, do your job. Do it with joy. Let the Lord himself confirm your ministry. Praise God. Listen to what the Word says in Matthew excuse me, in Mark 16, 20, it says, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying of signs. Glory to God. I'm, I'm ready to close. Hallelujah. Has your axe fallen today? If it has fallen, where has it fallen? What happened to it? What was the reason for the fall? Let me ask you another question. In a time, a dangerous time that we're living in, have you become lukewarm? Have you lost the fire? What has distracted you from the Lord? How has your axe become dull and have fallen off the handle? 
the Lord is saying to you today, come back to the cross. Pick up your axe. Pick up your cross. And let's get back to work until he comes again. God bless you, saints of the Most High. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.